The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Angels, we all have them. They're our unseen guides, our companions, our teachers, and they're all around us. Sometimes... They make themselves known in the most miraculous ways. Join Angel Communicator, Reiki Master, and QHHT hypnotherapist Christy Clemens Hoffman for stories from real people who have experienced real life angel encounters. Hello and welcome back to Real Life Angel Encounters. If I sound like I'm in a well, it's because um, today's one of those days where I just needed to record from my house at the moment. have a lot of goings on and workers coming in and out and just needed to be home. And um, since my air conditioning is out, I've got a lot of fans on in the house. And so I needed to sit in the bathroom with the door closed to try to... (laughs) muffle out those sounds. I hope you feel my frustration here. But I wanted to talk to you today about angels in the Bible. So I think that we more often than not think of angels as being strictly Christian, and they're not. However, the Bible does have many mentions of angels. And some of the things that we do know about angels do come from the Christian Bible. And they appeared in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. So let's talk about some things we know about angels from the Christian Bible. Now, I prob- I'm going to just say this right now. I'm probably going to butcher some of these um, chapter names because I am not a Christian. I'm a huge Jesus fan, but not a Christian. So I'll probably butcher some of these names. So please be patient with me. So the Bible describes angels nothing at all like we typically depict them in paintings, you know, Um, like on the Sistine Chapel, the cute little babies, and they get the wings, and they're all naked, and other angels are look very white, (laughs) like uh, Caucasian people with wings, and the Bible does not describe them in that way. Most angels in the Bible do have the appearance and form of a man. Many have wings, but not all. Some are larger than life. And, I, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I think we're on episode, what, 26? Um, the people who have seen angels in their life describe them as being very, very, very large. Other angels in the Bible have multiple faces that appear like a man from one angle and then a lion or another animal from another angle, sometimes like an eagle or an ox. And then some angels are bright, shining, and fiery, and others um, just look like regular people. (laughs) I'm thinking of It's a Wonderful Life and Clarence. You know, you never know when you're talking to an angel. 
In the Bible, some angels are invisible, but they're felt and heard, just like some of our callers who have called in for and, or had written in their stories. All right, so some interesting facts about angels in the Bible. And this information comes from LearnReligions.com. LearnReligions.com. So first, angels were created by God. So the second chapter of the Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And the Bible indicates that angels were actually created at the same time, that everything else was formed even before humans were created. So in Genesis, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And then Colossians, and I'm telling you, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. For, and this comes from Colossians 1.16. For him, all for by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. All right, so all things, including angels. So this Colossians, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, describes several of the um, levels of the hierarchy, the thrones, powers, rulers. So... All of these things are hierarchies of the angels. So another thing is that angels were created to live for eternity. They don't die. They don't experience the death experience. And Luke says, nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God and the sons of being, being sons of the resurrection. Another thing is that angels were present when God created the world. So angels even precede the world according to the Bible. When God created the foundations of the heavens and earth, angels had already been in existence. So in Job, it says, when the Lord answered Job out of the storm, he said, where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Wait, what? Angels were around before the earth was around. Interesting, right? Another thing is, I think this is pretty much a duh type of statement, but angels do not marry. And they do not marry, they don't reproduce. So in Matthew it says, At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. I would even go so far to say, from what I know of angels, is that they're, even though some are perceived as more masculine and some are more feminine, they really are sexless. And they're 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 perceived and we call them names in terms of you know feeling more masculine or more feminine but truly most of the archangels are feminine beings but i don't think they really care because they don't have physical bodies all right they're ex the exception of two who did have physical bodies and i might as well go ahead and explain those now Sandalphon, Archangel Sandalphon, and Archangel Metatron did have physical bodies. All of the other archangels, at least, did not have physical bodies. We can go into that in another episode. Another thing is that angels are wise and intelligent. Of course, they discern good and evil. They give us insight and understanding. In 2 Samuel, it says, Your maidservant said, The word of my lord, the king, will now be comforting. Uh, for as the angel of God, so is my Lord the King in discerning good and evil. And may the Lord be your God, then may the Lord your God be with you. Oof. I butcher some of these biblical references. I'm, I'm so sorry. 
Um, so also, it, angels take an interest in human affairs. I mean, that's their principal job, honestly, is to help us poor humans who are trying to figure things out. They've already got things figured out, right? Angels have and will always be involved and interested in what humans are doing, and they will help us. In the book of Daniel, it says, Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So an angel had direct intervention into human affairs. Now, they typically can't intervene unless it's really, 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 really important, and not just for one person usually, but like really important. For example, Joan of Arc seeing angels and telling her to go into battle it made a huge outcome for her people, right? Um, in Luke, it says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. All right, so trying to steer people individually clear, but again, they can't really intervene unless we invite them, unless we're doing something super, super bonehead, and it's really important that they stop us. You know, you think of, again, the movie It's a Wonderful Life with Clarence. He came to save George Bailey, who was going to commit suicide, saved George Bailey because his existence was essential for other people's existence. And this is true of all of us, really. But, you know, angels can come in and kind of push us, nudge us in the right direction. They can't step in and do it for us, though. All right. The next thing. Angels are faster than humans, and they seem to have the ability to fly. I would even say they probably have the gift of bilocation, just like Padre Pio did. Uh, the ability to be in more than one place at one time, so that when we are talking to, like Michael, for example. Michael's my guy, right? I talk to him for everything. When we talk to Michael or Raphael, Gabriel, any of the other angels, um, or even just your personal angels, they can be with more than one person at the same time, and they can be in more places at once. Now, you know, are they, is that because they're flying? Is that because their consciousness is so great that they can be with multiple people at the same time? I don't know. I think we're splitting hairs. But in the book of Daniel, again, it says, While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, I guess you could pronounce it Gabriel, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. And then in the book of Revelation, it says, And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Okay, the next thing is that, um, this is another instance of, yeah, we knew that. That is, angels are spiritual beings. I think we all understand that. And as spiritual beings, they don't have true physical bodies, right? They may have the form, some of them, of physical bodies, but they really are not physical. Um, also, we're not meant to worship angels. Yes, I am fairly obsessed with Archangel Michael, but I wouldn't say that I worship Michael. I don't even worship God. I feel like I'm... Hmm, it gets complicated, doesn't it? But angels are not meant to be worshipped. They're sometimes mistaken for God by humans. Sometimes they're worshipped in the Bible. But they reject it because that is not their intention. And honestly, I don't feel that God means to be worshipped myself. 
that we can certainly be in awe of God, and I am. We can certainly talk to God and pray to God, and I do. But worshiping, that comes with a, a bit of a loaded connotation, but I digress. But in the book of Revelation, it says, And I fell to his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Ooh. Boy, there's a lot of loaded language there, right? But, I mean, the bottom line is that angels are not really meant to be worshipped. They're, they're kind of like, hey, save it for something bigger than me. Truly humble. Angels in the Bible are subject to Christ, Christ's servants. Mm, I'm not sure what to do with that, but I think it's worth mentioning. In the book of Peter, it says, Who has gone into heaven and, and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Hmm, I'm not sure what to do with that. But, you know, I believe that angels do report to God as being part of God. Also, angels do have a will. They can exercise their own will, and I do believe that, that their will is aligned with the will of source of the Creator. And the book of Isaiah backs this up, as does Jude. In Jude, I'm not going to read the quote from Isaiah because it's fairly long, but the, the quote from Jude, this is Jude 1.6, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment of the great day. Now, this seems to be indicating the great divide that happened when Satan decided to peace out and separate himself from God. And so it took some angels with him. Now, maybe I'll do a whole episode on Satan and the fall, but um, it seems that angels can, can even choose what, what they're going to serve. Angels can, can choose where they're going to place their alliances. Um, so for that reason, I always do say a prayer for protection before I start to engage with angels and guides, just knowing that when you open the door, anybody can come in. And like I tell people, when, you, when the light is on, all the bugs come. So I don't want all the bugs. I want the ones I want to talk to, right? So I always say a little prayer for protection because, you know, these spiritual beings, they do do the work of source, and they are aligned with source. But you never know if you are getting an actual angel that is aligned with God or someone who is not aligned. So for that reason, I always set a little intention before I start and a protection. Another thing about angels, they express emotions like joy and longing. They shout for joy and they show many emotions in the Bible. In the book of Job's, it says, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. You know, okay, here's another aside from me. So sorry, I'm just interjecting all the time. But... Um, I'm involved in this exhibition in Warrensburg, Missouri, at the University of uh, Central Missouri, and it's called The Great Gossamer. 
and my aunt and fellow practitioner with Radiate Wellness, Mary Jane Stodenman, are going to be involved in this exhibition. And it's an exhibition that ties together art and spirituality, also science, but mostly art and spirituality. Now, I bring this up because there are some of the artists in the show who have had near-death experiences. And from listening to them and other experiencers, we find that one of the main memories they come away with is music. This ethereal music on the other side that is seems to be part of God and part of the experience on the other side of life. What if that was these angels shouting and singing in joy? What if that was them? What was that? What if that was the sound of joy? Hmm. So in this exhibition called The Great Gossamer, and it runs from, uh, what, June 3rd, no, June 1st to July 8th. I should know this. We're being, I'm involved in the opening. But June 1st to July 8th. And it's going to feature some music during the program from David Ditchfield, who's also been on this very podcast. Please go back and listen to his story about his near-death experience and this music that he composed after his NDE, as we call it, is, is in honor of the music he heard on the other side. And he was compelled. Like, they made him write this. Well, made him might be a little strong of a word. But they kept giving him this music over and over again. And he was not going to be right until he was able to put it into a form that other people could play. I mean, he didn't even know really how to compose anything. He knew maybe three chords on a guitar, but then wrote a symphony because he was so compelled to from his angels. So what if that sound we hear on the other side is angelic singing or even shouting in joy? Interesting thought. And then in the book of Peter, it says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So even angels experience and express joy. Another thing is that, you know, angels are pretty freaking awesome, but they're not omnipresent, omnipotent, or omniscient. They do have certain limitations. They're not all-knowing. They're not all-powerful. And this article from LearnReligions.com says they're not everywhere present. I do believe that they are everywhere present. I suppose we'll never really find out until we all get to the other side. But in the book of Jude, it says, But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So, I mean, he could have done that, but he didn't. There are certain limitations, like, well, I'm not going to rebuke you. I will let Source do that. Another item that this article mentions is that angels are too numerous to count. And the book Psalm of Psalms 
The chariots of God are tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. So each chariot, of course, being represented by an angel. And then in Hebrews it says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. I can't even imagine angels too numerous to count. I mean, that feels so awesome, I have to say. Um, another thing is that while there were some angels that did decide to peace out, many angels, most angels, remained faithful to God. So some angels decided, hey, we think we know a better way to do things, but then most angels did stay with God and are faithful to God, however we see that. Now, according to this article, it also says that three angels were named by name, that is, name-checked in the Bible. And those are Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, or also known as Satan. And this was in Daniel 8.16, Luke 1.19, and Luke 1.26. And yes, there are many other archangels, and specifically archangels, because Michael and Gabriel are both archangels, but there are, there are 13 others that are not necessarily mentioned in, by name in the Christian Bible. And speaking of which, only one angel in the Bible is called an archangel, and that would be Michael, but um, so many other writings describe so many other archangels. And remember, the books in the Bible were hand-picked. Many books of the Bible did not make it. Michael is described as one of the chief princes. So it's possible that there are other archangels that are recognized by Christianity, but we can't be sure. The word archangel comes from the Greek word archangelos, meaning a chief angel. It refers to an angel ranked highest in charge or in charge of other angels, as Michael is. Another thing is that angels report to God, as we know from Job, book 1 and book 2, or chapter 1, chapter 2. Again, not a Christian, so I do my best with these things, but yeah, I'm probably going to make mistakes. Another thing we know from the Bible is that some angels are called seraphim. In Isaiah, we, we see a description of the seraphim, being tall angels, each with six wings, and they can fly. I believe some of the uh, verses describing seraphims talk, talk about them having two wings to cover their eyes, two wings to cover their feet, two wings to fly. That seems pretty specific to me. And I would like to know more information about that, please. Another thing is that angels are known variously as messengers, which, you know, that is literally what the word angel means, is a messenger. Known as watchers or supervisors for God, military hosts, sons of the mighty, sons of God, and chariots. We tend to think of chariots as those things that a gladiator rides in pulled by horses. But um, the Bible also calls angels chariots. Interesting, right? So all of this information, again, comes from LearnReligions.com. A special thank you to James Wheeler for the original music and Cassandra Harold for the voiceovers. 
please subscribe and follow wherever you're listening now. And be sure to tell your friends. The more people know about this podcast, the more great story submissions we get. Submit your own real-life angel encounters to angelencounterspodcast at gmail.com. Want to know what your angels and loved ones have to tell you? Schedule an appointment with Christy at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.